0: Affected enterprises are restoring services after last week's NotPetya pandemic. Maersk's experience prompts some introspection in the logistics sector. Ukraine prepares to charge Emmy Doc's maker with criminal negligence for allowing the infection to take hold. NotPetya is tied to black energy and thence to a state actor. NATO's not saying it's Russia, but Ukraine is. FSB certificates allegedly express links between FSB and Kaspersky. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, July 5th, 2017. Yesterday marked the passage of the first week in the NotPetya disruptive malware pandemic. It's taken most affected enterprises from Maersk to DLA Piper to Ukraine's banking systems just about that amount of time to restore a tolerable level of service. Maersk announced Monday that it was finally able to bring its major systems back online after sustaining a hit to global operations from the NotPetya wiper attack. Port services reopened Sunday, many of them using manual operations, and other aspects of recovery continue. The hit was substantial. Maersk, which is by no means an inattentive or poorly resourced outfit, is working through a six-day backlog. Among the ports that return to operation in substantially manual mode are Gothenburg, Sweden, and the U.S. ports of Los Angeles, Mobile, and Port Elizabeth, all big cargo handlers. The Notpetya attack and its effect on Maersk has led the shipping and logistics industry to some security introspection. Self-examination leads to uncomfortable insights. We heard from Lars Jensen of the maritime cybersecurity company Cyberkeel, who summarized some of those insights as follows. A top-20 carrier allows shippers using their e-commerce platform to use X as their password. A port terminal has a server running the access to their e-commerce tools, which is so old that it can be readily taken over using tools one can download directly from the Internet. A top-five carrier claims that the password 12345 is of medium strength. Ten percent of carriers and 20 percent of the sampled ports and terminals have still not patched the vulnerabilities related to the Poodle and Heartbleed cyber threats, which emerged more than two and a half years ago. Quote. Jensen also notes that the apparent ease with which the attack propagated laterally across infected networks is a disturbing indicator that security levels are generally too low for comfort. Returning to Ukraine, where the infestation began, authorities are moving forward with their investigation. Police have seized servers belonging to Intellect Service, the small, family-owned software outfit whose ME-Doc tax accounting product appears to have been the initial source of NotPetya infestations. A high-ranking official in Ukraine's police unit charged with investigating cybercrime says that Intellect Service should expect criminal charges. Intellect Service, which says it's cooperating fully with the police, denies having anything to do with the attack and says their code was clean when they released it. It seems fair to say that NATO's statement on the attack represents, at this point, consensus. NATO thinks the attack was the work of a state actor, but the Atlantic Alliance's Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence in Tallinn declines to say exactly which state that would be. The statement about the attack mentions, in passing, that cyber-attacks with physical consequences could trigger NATO's Article 5, collective defense, but was silent on whether this would be one of those cases. Almost certainly not, but the statements do suggest the rough area where NATO will draw its Article 5 line, somewhere on the side of physical consequences. The NotPetya attack on Ukraine, with either intentional or collateral damage throughout most of the rest of the world, has been tied more closely to Russian services as researchers at Kaspersky, ESET, and elsewhere find links to the Black Energy APT group. That APT has long been suspected of being a Russian cat's paw. In fairness to Kaspersky and ESET, neither draw that explicit conclusion, but Ukraine's government certainly has. They're convinced the incident is another shot in Moscow's hybrid war aimed at re-engulfing Ukraine. It's probably safe to say that one thing we all wish we had more of is time. And when it comes to security investigations, time is of the essence. The folks at Splunk recently sponsored an IDC info brief titled Investigation or Exasperation? The State of Security Operations. High-end Song is SVP and General Manager for Security Markets at Splunk.
1: You know, we always talk about the ideal situation. Security needs to be proactive. Unfortunately, one of the things we've found is the security investment in tools and technology, even operations, 70% of the companies actually do that after a series of breach. It's still good to do it, but I think it will be much better if we can take a proactive approach. And since we're in the security information event management and analytics space, one of the interesting things we find is 72% of U.S. companies are not fully taking advantage of the capabilities and in connection with you know the skill shortage and the fact that we have to deal with a lot of sophisticated attacks and that's morphing all the time we also sort of surveyed around how people are using uh, machine learning, like advanced data science technology, like machine learning, certainly we're still in a very early stage, uh, is 81% of US companies are not at all, or not extensively really leveraging that. Um, That's interesting because a lot of the new sophisticated uh, attacks, you really cannot use known patterns and rules. You got to really go, look for anomalies, look for the baselining to start with, and using threat modeling to bring out some of the unknowns. Uh, that, that's really the biggest challenge for a lot of security operations. There's still a lot of time that the security analysts have to invest to even just sort of take care of or address one security incidents or alert. Some of them will turn out to be real. You know, it's still days and hours. That's the granularity we're looking at. But for security, you know, in the computer world, minutes, it's long, let alone hours or days. 39% is still sort of report that it takes average two to four hours to resolve a incident. And we need to get them to minutes. And uh, so investigation, forensics, and automation becomes really key uh, in improving
0: that stack. That's Haiyan Song from Splunk. The report is called Investigation or Exasperation, the State of Security Operations. You can find it on the Splunk website. Two cryptocurrency services have come under attack, the BitThumb Exchange and client-side Ethereum wallet Classic Ether. BitThumb users lost both Bitcoin and Ethereum. Classic Ether wallet's website was hijacked. Researchers at Sukuri have found an SQL injection flaw in a widely used WordPress plugin, WordPress Statistics. Look to your blogs, bloggers. Kaspersky, which has responded to U.S. congressional suspicions of its connections to Moscow by offering to show the U.S. its source code, remains under scrutiny. McClatchy is reporting on certificates Russia's FSB issued to the company that appear to associate it with an intelligence program. While connections among security companies and intelligence services are far from unusual, experts consulted by McClatchy think that the certificates appear at the very least to be odd ones and worth further scrutiny. The bear, suspected of consorting with Kaspersky, by the way, would be Cozy Bear, not her sister Fancy. Russian authorities aren't happy with the suspicions and tell the U.S. to expect blowback. Maybe, the communications minister suggests, Russia will stop using Microsoft and Cisco products. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. visit zscaler.com/zerotrustai our lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program with the largest network of trust centers vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust save time and close deals fast Joining me once again is Professor Awais Rashid. He heads the Academic Center of Excellence in Cybersecurity Research at Lancaster University. Uh, Professor, welcome back. You know, with this recent uh, high-profile ransomware attack, of course, uh, WannaCry and the disruption it did to the NHS uh, in England, uh, you wanted to talk some
2: about the anatomy of attacks and sort of getting back to the basics. Thank you very much for having me uh, again. Uh, indeed, uh, I think the ransomware attack that disrupted um, m- many different systems across the world, but most notably the National Health Service uh, in, in the UK, just simply demonstrates what is effectively a fairly simple type of attack in the sense that it's it's an attack that locks out your files and, and access to your disk, can disrupt uh, one of the largest organizations in the world. Uh, And to look at the causes of this disruption, we need to really look back at the anatomy of an attack. And normally what what would happen is that an attacker breaches the system, uh, for example, through a weaponized document or a a payload, which could come via a phishing attack or any other other, uh, means to deliver it into the network. And then their goal tends to be is to uh, get some kind of a command and control infrastructure set up and also do lateral movement and uh, move across the network. And what we can see in this case is that that, that has happened with, with relative ease uh, in the sense that, yes, the, uh, uh, we, don't, we don't fully know what was the initial point of, uh, point of breach, but uh, once the initial point of breach had been reached by the attacker, the attack moved very quickly not only within a particular part of the organization, but across many, many National Health Service trusts across the country. That leads leads to the very fundamental question as to how basic security practices can actually disrupt uh, different types of attacks. And what we know in this case is that some of the uh, systems were based on Windows XP, which is which is an outdated system and is not supported currently by Microsoft, but also that the particular vulnerability has been known since March and patches were available, but they weren't applied. And and that leads to the particular question about uh, security investment, good security practices and good, good security hygiene. But also another really fun Fundamental thing, which I often uh, teach my students on a, on a regular basis, is that it's not only what you do to keep an attacker out, and in this case, clearly things could have been done uh, by patching systems to at least make it harder for the attackers to breach the system, but also what, what happens once a breach has occurred, what kind of recovery plans are in place. And for a complex and highly critical organisation, such as the National Health Service, for it to be disrupted, on a large scale, for such a, a long period of time uh, is, 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 is a big, big problem. And, and one of the questions we have to ask is what kind of recovery plans were in place, what kind of backup systems were in place, and why did it take so long for the system to come back online? But equally, why was it so easy in terms of what kind of network isolation was put in place or not that m- made it possible for, for the attack to move uh, laterally across the organization very, very quickly?
0: And One of the things I've heard about these sorts of attacks, particularly when it comes to healthcare, and I'm not sure this was the case with, uh, with NHS, that sometimes uh, restoring from backup can take more time than simply paying the ransomware and having the files unlocked.
2: Yes, but that might be the case. But first of all, one would never condone paying the ransom for a ransomware because ultimately the attacker's motives are e- economic and, and that, that simply plays into the uh, into the attacker's uh, motivation. But uh, equally in this case, uh, a lot of these systems are not always set up with, with, for example, local files and so on. They're often delivered from a server. And we just do not know in this case what was the scale of the infection. For example, did the ransomware also... Lock sort of key key servers within the organization that were that were delivering those files to the terminals. If you think about it, the ransomware is a fairly uh, simple attack. Whatever vulnerability may have been exploited here, it is a fairly simple attack that it simply encrypts your disk. Uh, And if you have effective backups and you can restore them quickly, uh, then uh, that hacker's purpose is defeated because their purpose is to get money to unlock your data. But if you can restore your data fairly quickly, then their purpose is defeated. So I I, I do think that an effective recovery plan uh, in in such cases is actually very, very important.
0: All right. Good information. Professor Awais Rashid, thanks for joining us. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.
2: Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too.